Hey, this is Cardi B. You're listening to The Man Room with Marcus Bridges. People might actually believe that one. Yeah, no shit. (laughs) I'm pregnant. (laughs) Welcome Welcome to The Man Room. Welcome to The Man Room. What is up, everybody? Welcome into the Man Room Podcast. I am your host, Marcus Bridges. Thank you for joining us in the Man Room today. You can find us everywhere that you find your podcasts. Don't worry your pretty little head about it. If it's out there, we're on it, and that's why I don't go over this shit anymore. Uh, Look it up on Spotify. Give it five stars on Apple. Thumb it on YouTube. Do whatever you do. Uh, to support the show, and we appreciate it. Of course, you can donate to us at themanroompodcast.com, and we appreciate every cent. Enough with that garbage. It's time to get to our guest today. Joining me, yet another fantastic local comedian from the Eugene area. Um, I've been on this train. I've been beating this dead horse for over a month now, and uh, just in time for pretty much all the shows to get canceled. So uh, one way or the other, you can catch my guest, Jen Jay, on a stage near you. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jen. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yes. I'm happy to be here. Oh, uh, well, you know, um, with coming from the very first time I saw you on stage in an open mic at Lucky's, I was like, that's a podcast guest. I knew it immediately. <laughs> awesome. uh, I, I just, I love your energy when you're on stage. You have like, and you're smiling right now. If you're not watching this on YouTube, you're missing out because <laughs> you're always smiling and you bring that energy to the stage. And I, I absolutely love it. Um, awesome. So, you, you know, we're going to do this more than once so don't get your fill today here you got Um, it (laughs) now i gotta take my can out of the koozie because i do like to give it a little bit of love um you you said i like tequila i'm an ipa snob but tecate has been killing it for me this summer yeah we've had a lot of ipas on the show because that because kind of that's my lane um we had some tequila before which we'll get to uh, but we went ahead and did the old classic. Got some good old tecate to drink today and it's a really hot day and kind of warm up here so i think this is going to be a good choice good that's good just blow beer over your 500 hundred dollar microphone <laughs> great idea marcus so tecate this summer is that like is it something that you've drank a lot of in the past or is it just like you found it this summer and it oh, worked no no i uh i my employment like i've been a chef for the like 20 years oh wow um <laughs> i did not know that yeah for a long time and uh and so line cooking is a hot situation yes okay line cooking in the summer is basically hell on earth (laughs) Um, (laughs) and uh and so you know uh it's it's a long-standing tradition amongst line cooks to have a beer with each other uh after work after you've been in the trenches literally the hot sweaty trenches right and uh (laughs) and so you know most of the year a boneyard or you know a nice ipa will do but uh in the summertime after line cooking, no, it's a Mexican lager is just the it's just exactly what you need. The you bee's know? knees, if you will. Heck yeah. Yeah, if we're yeah. gonna if we're gonna uh, date ourselves and say that we actually right? recognize that cliche. <laughs> so line cooking, so you've been doing that for a long time, and as yeah. a, as an actual chef, you said, um, mm-hmm. like, so I, I've done some some prep work in a restaurant, and I've worked as a waiter in a restaurant. One mm-hmm. thing that I noticed, it's interesting that you say that. You're right. The cooks in the restaurant I worked at would go out to their little hole-in-the-wall dive bar, and they would just get absolutely annihilated after work. And all the front house staff would go out to a different place, and that was more of like a club environment and like, you know, a lot of energy, as you might imagine. 
Um, but the two sides didn't mix very well. It no. was almost like they spent the entire day yelling at one another, <laughs> which we did. <laughs> you know, and yeah. I'm going to come full disclosure here and say it's like far from an expert was I. I was an Apple buddy. I worked at Applebee's. Uh-huh. Um, and so, yeah, it's like pretty much the manager hated everyone. And so the front staff and the back staff hated each other. And that was just kind of the way that that, uh, that Applebee's worked. I'm sure they're yeah. not all like that. But uh How's your experience in the kitchen? Do you like the front yeah, staff? So, Do you hate them? Um, no, I, I love uh, that, that when everybody is working together as a team and stuff like that. I love that. Um, and definitely in the younger days, like, uh, you know, I would say that uh, I was more of the like, yeah, fuck the front of house, you know, like back of house, we're over here, we do the actual work, you guys just, you know, deliver it on a platter, fuck you guys, you know. <laughs> right. Um, but, uh, you know, especially like once they started getting in the management roles and stuff, you know, um, yeah, no, you need everybody functioning. Yeah, you know? that's and, really true. And if you're, you got to foster the whole environment and not just the, you know, back of house, what, what you're what you love and what you're passionate about, you know, like you really need everybody. You see, you start to see the value once, you know, once you become a little bit more invested in it yourself, sure. you know? Sure. Uh, so, uh, and, uh, and really what I always loved, especially, um, you know, is when, when you do see the front of house and back of house together after work, uh, having a, 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 like, you know, I'm not saying everybody, you know, get become, total alcoholics together or anything like that, but a little bit of camaraderie after work, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. between both of them, that's when, you know, like, okay, like, you know, this is, this is good. We're on the right track. Like we're, uh, we, we're, we're building a, a weird work family. You right. Know? Right. And, uh, so like, I don't know. That it's, was, it's that definitely was beneficial if they worked, if, you know, everybody works as one because, yeah. and I, I feel like the food service gets a really bad or the food service industry, sorry, gets a really bad rap as being like, an easy job or an entry level job, jobs that that you know you could just go get. It's a high stress deal. Even working a lunch shift at Applebee's, like yeah. that's all I used to work was the days, and I would walk out of that place more stressed than I would after like a live event that I would host for. What I was doing part time in radio at the time, mm -hmm. being up on stage in front of thousands of people did not stress me out nearly as bad as some of those lunch shifts at an Applebee's, oh, yeah. which. It's, I think that, once again, it's it's underappreciated, and I think the shift beer or the after shift beer is one of those things where everybody kind of pulls the pressure valve all at the same time, right. and they all leak it out, and now that this is all off our shoulders, we can go home and be normal with our family. Totally, you know? yes. So yeah, it's, agreed. I, but I will say, a lot of alcoholics. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's for also sure. those, too, because any high-stress job, you're going to find them, you the, know? Um, there, it is, you're right, like, it is not without uh, faults in the industry. Like, um, you know, there was, all, I think that lots of the points of contention between front and back is, like, back-of-house shifts are minimum eight-hour long shifts in the hot situation right and it's uh and to be able to cook you know knife skills and things like that like it's um uh the same could be said for a front of house selling is a skill you know um and uh and customer service is a skill but um i don't know like uh back of house definitely gets uh low wages sometimes no tips or you know the smallest portion of the tips for doing the lion's share of the work. Right. So like, um, and then, you know, once you add like, uh, you know, coming up in the nineties, uh, like I went to culinary school in Long Beach in, um, California. And, um, so that was like 97, 98 when I, 
finished that. And so working in kitchens there, a lot of times I was the only female. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, that you can't say that anymore, you know, like there's there's so many women in the industry now. But um, back then there there wasn't. Lots of times I was the only um, female. And uh, like if you think everybody in general in the back of house gets the shaft, like uh, women also, uh, you know, get overlooked, uh, get underestimated and uh, and paid less. Do you and, think uh, it's fucked? Yeah, it is, and and hundred percent agree. Do you think that's because partly because people look at that environment that you're describing, how it's hot and it's eight hour shifts and it's high stress, and they just think for some reason that that it's got to be like a grizzled man back there to handle it, or what? What? Why do you think that is? I don't know. It's something that I have wrestled with, you know, my whole career doing it because, yeah. like, um, like, okay, like. Everybody, any, and it does. Gen, you don't have to put gender into it in order for it to be a shitty environment to work in. <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Like it's, you're flipping it's, green chain at a mill. You're working on the line at a restaurant. Right. It's a shitty environment, yeah. but it doesn't mean that a woman can't do it. Yeah. You know. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and can't in, in excel both environments, at it. you'll find uh, women. Uh, in in every environment that exists, you'll find women uh, being a part of that environment. So. Um, uh, I, I think it's uh, a lot of societal gender norms, yeah. uh, you know, uh, play into a role. And, um, you know, here I am, uh, like, uh, in a different venue uh, talking about comedy and, like, my role in comedy. And here I am on the man room <laughs> talking about, like, divisiveness about gender and society and giving a big fuck you to societal gender norms. But, you know... Um, that's just, you know, you never know where you're going to be in life, you know? Well, you know, and, and look, <laughs> full disclosure, I, one of my guests on this podcast actually looked me square in the face and goes, you started a podcast in the year that is 2020 called the man room. What the fuck are you thinking? You know? <laughs> and I, I'll be honest with you. I didn't, this is what I call this room. And so that's where the name came from. It's mm-hmm. like, what's the man room? It's the place where I keep my beer fridge, my Xbox and my blood pressure cuff. And I say that all the time. <laughs> I know. I heard on, on, uh, <laughs> on Angie's and I was like, okay, cool. I get it. Like, this is how I can be totally cool with, you with know, what's, go- right. with I'm what's not- going on. And now that I'm here, I'm just like, yeah, okay, I get it. Like, uh, I'm not mad at this. This is totally a man room. And, uh, and it's like, it, this totally makes sense for you, Marcus. Good. I'm glad and you think so. Yes, I totally do. I, you know, it's one of the reasons when I, when I first got like the Facebook page and the website and I was putting all the information on in the Spotify and YouTube in the description, I kept saying, everyone's welcome in the man room as long as you're not being a dick. Because that's how I would feel if I was just talking to my friends up here. Yeah. It's like, all right, you're being a dick. We're not going to hang out up here anymore. We're going to go down, go out. You got to go outside. You got to take a lap. We got to do something. I love that. I and love that. the whole premise was just to, you know, I actually started this podcast with the idea that I wasn't going to be able to convince people like yourselves to come in and do this. So I lined up six or eight of my college buddies and was like, listen, if I can get one of you guys like twice a month, or if I can get, uh, you know, if I can get each one of you once a month, then we can do this weekly and and I'll just talk to you guys because we have a bunch of interest, but that would have got boring real quick because yeah. none of them are in the entertainment industry. None of them really want to talk about their, their work lives and stuff like that. You know, comedians, a lot of the times, that's what they focus on is yeah. comedy and they're working so that they can do comedy, you yes. know? And yeah. so I find a lot of comedians that have day jobs are, are more willing to come in here and just kind of openly chat it's like one of my buddies was like, listen, I work, he works for a, a large video game studio and that's all I'm going to say. But mm-hmm. 
he's he tells me horror stories of people getting fired for just like having one-on-ones with their friends and their friend posted something on Facebook and that guy's got to go now because that's sensitive information. So I'm sitting here with a podcast like I can't even talk to you. Like that's all the Whoa. shit I want to talk yeah. to you about. Uh-huh. So yeah. I kind of had to pivot from that idea to just, you know, I do have a pretty big network from the radio and stuff like that where I'm connected with people. And I also meet a lot of people that do cool shit. Yeah. And so I kind of decided instead of just me talking to my buddies, I'm just going to talk to all the people that I know that do cool shit. And I'm not going to have a super structured conversation. I'm going to come in and we'll, we'll see where it goes. Yeah. And it's funny because the comedians that I have, all of you guys are fine with that idea. You're like, oh, cool, yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. The radio personalities... They needle me like you would know. So what are we talking about? What's the topic? What are we going to bring up? Who are we going to talk to? What's It's like, would you let me fucking host this thing? <laughs> just leave it alone. And that's just their nature because dead air is, yeah. is uh, you can't stand it in radio when yeah. there's a second of silence. And you can tell by listening to this show because I never shut up. So, <laughs> but, but yeah, that's, I mean, it really is. And I, I, I don't hesitate to explain to people why. Um, it is what it is because I, I don't, I'm not calling it the man room because I'm, you know, I'm trying to reinforce gender norms. It's <laughs> because right. it's where I record it and yeah. I didn't have a better thing to call it, to be honest with you. I'm not that creative. So <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. It totally, it's totally makes sense. If and... it's, if it's any consolation, I'm on another podcast called the donkey show podcast, which is <laughs> named after animal sex. Yeah, so. Right. <laughs> We we went out for drinks with uh, with one of my wife's coworkers last night and her husband and um he was talking about because he used to listen to our old radio show which was called the Donkey Show mm-hmm. and I don't know how he didn't know us I it, remember you know, I remember the Donkey Show being on yeah, yeah. is this like a fifty something year old man and he just typed Donkey Show into his Google bar Uh-oh. and was telling us about it and was like do you guys know what comes up? And we're like, yeah, that was why yeah. we called it that. Uh-huh. <laughs> Congratulations. The joke just came full circle. Uh, and absolutely. That's exactly what you want when you call something, something like that. Exactly. You, know? like, you want a 50 year old, you know, person to be like, Oh, what is the, just Google it. How do I get to that one thing, the Marcus's thing or whatever? <laughs> oh! <laughs> well, that immediately brought me to this story that happened to us. We were, uh, when they started flying uh, nonstop from Eugene to Las Vegas, they put us on a promo flight and we got to go down and do the show from the Stratosphere. They have a radio that studio awesome. up at the top of the, the don- Stratosphere. You got to do the donkey show yeah, from there? Yeah, oh Tanner, God. Drew, and so I cool. and, and B-Rock all went, our stunt uh-huh. guy at the time. And we were staying at the MGM and we just thought, we'll just walk to uh, down to the Stratosphere, you know, because... I'd only been to Vegas once, and I blacked out and got lost, and so I walked all over that damn city anyway. Yeah. I just figured every place was far, and we had, like, I don't know, probably 75 pounds of equipment that we were trying to pack with us, and it was, uh, and, you know, July, August in Vegas. Oh my so God. we Ugh. set off at, like, noon to go walk what was ended up being, like, six miles or some crazy amount to get to the stratosphere. And you know those guys that flick the cards in Vegas, the little porn cards? Yeah, and you, yeah, 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 and they yeah, try yeah, to yeah, sell yeah. you hookers uh-huh. or whatever? Mm-hmm. Well, one of the guys was really aggressive and we were walking past him and he's like, what do you want, man, women, transsexual? What do you want? Anything you want, I get it. And he's really at him. We're just like, guys, it's okay, man. And we all walked past him and we're like 10, 15 feet past this guy. And he goes, donkey show. And all four of us snapped around and turned. Well, Jen, he was talking about like an actual donkey show. No way. And he's like, you sick sons of bitches. You guys are nasty. You want to see a lady fucking donkey? We're like. No, no, no. And then we all just kind of looked at each other like, no way we explain this to this guy. Like, we're sweating. Yeah, we're late. No, we've got yeah. equipment. So there's a guy somewhere in Vegas that thinks that there's four weirdos from Oregon. 
that were really excited about none of the other weird stuff that he offered, but the animal sex part. Oh that was what God. really got to us. So wow. Um, yeah, it's it's always been the reason. But uh, you, you know, know what? fuck that guy. Like, where the <laughs> fuck is the donkey show? You know what I mean? Like, you if know? you know where it is, you're part of the problem, guy. Yeah. Like, if you're selling tickets to this thing, yeah. that donkey. Ah, God. <laughs> That's my problem with it. Is I just feel bad for the animals. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, yeah. That's not good. So not good. Let's talk about comedy a little bit yes, because let's do it. Um, you have been on stage fucking everywhere. I see your name on almost every flyer that yeah, I see. Yeah. Um, you've got some stuff coming up. If you're watching right now on YouTube, uh, the Savage Henry Comedy Festival will be in Humboldt, California, October 7 through 9, correct? Yes. That's yeah. awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, Savage Henry, of course, uh, Seth Milstein uh, writes for Savage Henry and, yeah. and goes down Jane, and does Jane a lot Malone of those. Jane Malone does as well. Jane Malone, gotcha. I know that uh, a lot of you guys have been going down to do that room in, in Humboldt. Yeah. You mm -hmm. like it? Love it. Yeah. Love it. And um, uh, Chris Durant um, is the person uh, who's head, heading up Savage Henry, and uh, he is a total gem. Yeah. Um, he's just a kind, sweet person, happy to make new friends, um, and just uh, a really friendly, nice host, and uh, and he's funny, and he's got a very distinct laugh. And so when you're on stage, and he's 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 always up at this, you know, he's always in this one area of the comedy club, you know. And so when you hear this like ha huh! <laughs> thing that he does, like when you're on stage, it's like it's everything you can do to just not be just like <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like you hear him, you know it's him, you know. Uh, you gotta you and, gotta uh, answer that every time he does it. You should just be like, got him, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I might, I might have acknowledged it at least <laughs> once because, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was really funny. Uh, but yeah, I I I feel like I've gotten very very lucky, um, you know, because I'm I'm still in year. One. It's only uh, your first year. You yeah. are shitting me right now. No, no, you're doing, I'm still in year one. You're, I, I mean, I don't profess to be any kind of expert, but I've been <laughs> around a lot of comedians, and you are leaps and nothing against any of these. This is a lot of good comedians <laughs> you're on stage with too, but you were better in year one than what I've ever seen anybody be in year one. Well, I'm gonna suck by year three, so well, you know. I mean, isn't that what they say? <laughs> good by one, suck by three. You're doing it right. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> Live fast, you know, take a lot of chances, die young. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> no, uh, I, I, I hope, I hope that that's not true. I want to, uh, I want to keep going. Like I'm loving it so much. I'm loving it. I can't believe I waited this long to, uh, to, to give it a whirl. You yeah. know, uh, is it something you have kind of always thought about your entire life? Yeah. Or? So I'll tell you the, the real deal is, uh, the real deal is, uh, I grew up in Dallas, Texas, and uh, my mom's best friend, my godmother, Jan, uh, Jan Norton has, uh, and and her best friend, uh, Linda Stogner, uh, they have a comedy club in Dallas, and okay. they've had it my whole life, the Backdoor Comedy Club. And That's a, um, that's a great name. Yeah. That's a great name. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it, they've had it my whole life, and, uh, and so... Um, you know, growing up around Jan and Linda and, uh, and various comedians here and there and, uh, you know, going to the club when I was, uh, when I was younger, uh, I gave comedy a whirl when I was like, I don't know, 17 or so. Um, but I, I think I only went up a couple of times and then, uh, I moved to California, uh, at 18 and, um, 
And then when I would come back uh, for, to visit, sometimes Jan would have me go up, you know, like I would go up one, once in a while. But, um, you know, and uh, I always thought that I would give it a, you know, proper go. Mm-hmm. And uh, life, life. Just got in the way. Yeah, yeah, life just never. And then I don't know, like I'm just in a different place now. Like uh, I don't think I'll ever work in another kitchen again, you know. Uh, I I have a joke about going into tech, you know. Um but that's literally what I'm doing. Uh, I'm giving myself a great summer, and then uh, I'm starting this tech boot camp, um, okay. teaching myself how to code and stuff, and um, and so that I can have a job that earns a salary, so that I can fuck off and do comedy whenever I want, and maybe it'll be remote, so then I can you know have income and go around and do comedy all over um, you, you know the. U.S. Uh, as long as it's safe to travel and I'm sure. not going to get the plague. Right, right. Which we'll we have to talk about that too. That's yes, something that we'll totally. get to. But yeah. um, and see, that's amazing. In year one, you're already laying the groundwork to be able to be a traveling comedian, which well, most I, people in year I'm one don't even get to think about. I'm 43. You really? Know? Yes, I'm that old. You I, know? I never would have guessed that. <laughs> you do not look 43. You don't, and you don't act 43 either. Not to say no. that 43 is super old. I'm 36. I pegged you. Yeah. Like late twenties, early thirties, no joke. Oh, shucks. No yeah. joke. I really no, did. I'm, I'm old, uh, so like I gotta, I gotta do this shit. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, right. T- the time uh, is yeah, now. Yeah, I gotta make year one count. You know, yeah. I gotta make it worth it. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go hard, and you know, as 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 I possibly can because I freaking love it. Yeah. You know, I freaking love it, and uh, and and I'm having so much fun doing it, and so I'm gonna put as much into it as I have to offer okay you know? yeah yeah um, so, so really pour yourself into it i am that's I awesome am. that's yeah. awesome you I'm know get a ball out I, I have to give you a tip of the cap too because I, I mean <laughs> you know you see like you see like your prodigies like bo burnham start at like 17 or something like that how on earth could you have gone on a stand-up comedy stage? I hated myself at 17, and I was relatively, <laughs> like, okay with everything in my life. Like, yeah. you know, I, my parents were treated me great. I, You know, I was okay in school. I, I played some sports and had lots of friends and everything. But I, I can say right now, if you'd have put me on a stand-up comedy stage, I would have shrunk into a little bug, and they could have flicked me off the stage and just killed me right then and there because oh my God. I was not comfortable with myself at all. Yeah. And it took a real – I mean – I wasn't even comfortable with myself when I got into radio. It took me, I was just telling you before we went on the air, it took me three years to be able to wear my headphones because I couldn't stand the way that my voice sounded. And I'm, I'm worried about that bottle of tequila that you're trying to open there because you said it was like rocket fuel. I don't want that cap to shoot off and hit you in the face. <laughs> no, it won't. It's connected. It's okay. all connected. I just can't really remember how to do this. We are having some tequila today too. Yes. If you're if you're watching, we're struggling with it, but we're going to have it. Um and you said this was from the only master, the Can only, give it a whirl? yeah, the only female master tequila. Yeah, producer? so I will. I'll talk about this tequila so you can all see it. Um, it's La Gritona tequila, and um, it's made by Nelly Cardenas is her name, and um, she's the only female master tequila maker in Jalisco, Mexico. I and, got it. Um, yay! You got it. You mind if I pour a little for me? Go ahead. Yeah. I'm going to have it with just a little ice and a little tiny water because I'm not a huge straight tequila guy. I normally mix it in a margarita. That's so this is actually a great margarita tequila. Okay. um, Because like I said uh, earlier, um, I've I've been very excited to try it and I uh, I had to go. uh, I had to just order it online because I um, 
nobody's selling it anywhere. So so uh, this is this chilled. is technically imported tequila. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. All that right. Actually, chilled. It's so much better than. Uh, so, anyways, if anybody else gets it, you want it chilled. You want it in a margarita. Um, that's the kind of tequila that it is. Um, it's it's good though. I mean, that's not a bad right. sip of tequila. It didn't have. I was afraid of the burn on the after on the yes. back end, but it didn't have that. When so. it's chilled, it doesn't. It that it takes that sting away. But okay. room, room temperature, it's uh, it's got a real jetpack uh, situation. <laughs> so you want it chilled? You want it in a margarita? That's my official review. That's some of that line. <laughs> that's some of that line cooked tequila right there. Huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, you, uh, you know, while we're still on the subject of comedy, of course, I want to get to the shows that you've got coming up besides sure. Savage Henry. But I know just this weekend you were down at Pride in the Park. Yeah. And uh, is that Alton Baker? Is that where they hold yeah, that in Alton Eugene? Yeah, Alton Baker, yeah. How'd that mm-hmm. go? Um, it was so fun. Um, so I, I actually am usually on the Pride board, too, at least for the last couple years. But then I got so busy, I just, I didn't, I didn't have an official role or anything this year. Um, I just was attending the meetings, Mm -hmm. trying to help, uh, with whatever I could. Um, but, uh, yeah, I got really busy doing comedy. So, uh, it's a good thing I didn't have a a role uh, this year. Well, you were the funny maker. That was your role, right? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) yes. Temple had me on, uh, Temple, uh, hosted the comedy, uh, hour, the standup comedy hour. And, uh, and so I was, uh, part of that. And uh, it was really cool this year. They had the whole Alton Baker Park, whereas they usually only have the area, like the grassy area and the area by with the structures. But this year it was way bigger. That's good. And uh, and so, spread out way more. So you don't get hit by a Frisbee golfer or something like that, right. hopefully. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and there was two stages this year. There was the main stage and then the community stage where uh, – where the comedy was. Okay. And, uh, yeah, it was really, really fun. It was incredibly hot. Oh, um, I can imagine. It was brutal yesterday. Yeah. And how was, was the smoke? Incredibly hot. Um, got... The smoke wasn't that bad. That's good. Uh, I actually didn't even really notice it until I was on my way home. Yeah. Uh, and I feel, I feel like it started to roll in kind of late yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. It, it'll do that. And, it, I mean, it's yeah. choking off the whole state right now. It's just mm-hmm. varying degrees of bad wherever you go. So. Yeah. I have a friend who lives in uh, Medford and uh, – She's she's oh, hating it. Yeah. She's hating it right now. It's terrible down there. But I heard uh, one of them, the bootleg fire, 100% yes. contained today. All right. Yes. Yeah. Good job, firefighters. Way to go. Cheers. We appreciate firefighters. I was approached to be a wildland firefighter when I was in high school uh-huh. by the dude with the biggest hands I've ever seen. And he shook my hand and I Whoa. thought he broke it. And I'm just like, he's like, you want to make 36 grand this summer? And as, as a 16 year old, I'm like, yeah. He's like, all right, come out and fight wildland fires. I'm like, fuck no. What are you thinking? Look Jeez. at me. Like, I've got on DCs right now. You think I'm going to go? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I like to hunt and everything like that, but I don't want to go out and fight Mother Nature. Like, I, no. I'm not cut out for that shit, no. you know? Um, and so I got to I tip my cap to those guys. I know a guy that's a smoke jumper. Like, a, he gets in a plane and he parachutes into in a Whoa. forest fire. Oh, oh, my God. I know, right? It just makes wow. you, like, it makes you quiver thinking about it, though. Yeah. And, and he's like. This dude is, I mean, he's worked, you know, kind of forest service jobs his whole life. Like, he's probably the best out in the bush that there is. And he's, he chooses to parachute into uh, forest fires. I mean, I... That is amazing. I tip my hat to that guy. Yeah, right? Whoa. <laughs> Seriously, that's insane. You know, uh, 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 Eugene Comic, um, 
James Manning the uh-huh. third. Uh, he did uh, forest fires last year. Really? I, yeah, it was last year. Yeah. Uh huh. Wow. Hats off to sure. him. Like now, I'm like, oh god, was that last year? Or was that? No, it was. It was last year. <laughs> yeah, probably the year that the whole state almost yeah. burned down. Makes sense yes. that they were. I'm surprised they didn't have a draft. And yeah. I will dodge that shit. If you try to have a, a wildland firefighter draft, I'm headed to Canada until Yikes. it's done because I, you don't want me out there digging holes in the in the woods. I'm not your guy. I'll be screwing off. I'll find a I'll find a bird and follow it. You know. Yes. Like, yeah. I just don't, I, I, you know, I have a, a, an appreciation for people that do those jobs that are almost like those, those calling jobs where it's like, you have to have something inside of you that tells you that you're meant to do that. And because it's for the greater yes. good and not for yourself. Yes. Um, you know, firefighters in general, frontline medical staff, Hospice all those people. Nurses, yes. Like, I mean, you know, I, yeah. you know uh, one of them that I, I feel like is kind of underappreciated and not mentioned enough is uh, respiratory therapists. Oh, totally. You know, um, when my my grandma and grandpa both suffered from dementia, they had horrible respiratory issues just because they don't, their brain doesn't fire off the correct breathing and everything like that. And those respiratory therapists, once they got in there and worked with them, actually like seriously changed the outlook for like, at least if nothing else, just the comfort that they had for the last, you know, Uh bit of their life there. So you know, uh, you'll hear me, and and look, I say it about police officers too. I know that police officers right now is a very sensitive subject, and I don't like to split hairs on it. There's bad people in every profession, and I mm-hmm. think that, uh, you know, the the good cops out there. I listen to a podcast uh, called Small Town Dicks. Have you heard of that? With I Yard- have heard of that. Yeah, it's Yardley Smith who did the voice for Lisa Simpson. Yeah, mm-hmm. and she actually has two twin detectives that are from Springfield, Oregon, and they join her on it under pseudonyms. Oh, huh. And you can tell, like, these guys cry all the time when they're talking about the cases. And so you can tell that these guys are the the type of guys that we need on a police mm-hmm. force, you know. And I, I just, yeah, vast appreciation for that. So now I got to shake James Manning III's hand, like, in a different way. Yeah. Even though I kind of feel douchey for thanks for doing that for me. It's like, you know, I don't know. He definitely doesn't uh, seem like the type of guy that's going to be, you know, looking for that type of thing. But, right, no. Um, I always feel like I should I should say something, right? Because it's not me. Like, if it wasn't no, him, I'm, it might I'm be gra- me. Yeah, I'm, I have the <laughs> gratitude for, you know, for anybody who can do that. I mean, that's it's literally putting yourself right in danger. Right. You know? And the same um, way with the, with kitchen staff, to be yeah, honest well, with you, yeah. I couldn't do that. I, I, I fancy myself as an okay tailgate chef. You know, I make some wicked mm-hmm. smoked meats, but I'll also cut myself every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I never cut myself. Not even once. <laughs> oh man. So, uh, you've got uh, another show coming up in September yeah. and I'm waiting for the flyer to come up here, um, on the actual slideshow. Yeah. But tell me about the show in September. Okay. Um, yeah. So the show in September is, um, it's at Alluvium, which, um, I'm intrigued by this venue, and I don't actually. I don't think I want those on anymore. Okay. Um, <laughs> don't worry about I, it. Um, yeah. So it's at Alluvium, which is a, this place that uh, all I know really about it is that it's uh, used to be a church, or in some way is still a church, but it's not like a Jesusy church. It's more of a like uh, new, like um, I don't know. Whole, it's a, some other kind of. Woo-woo church of some sort. I Seth, don't know. Seth Milstein uh, described it as hippie church to me. There, That's great. <laughs> I wish I would have thought of those words because yeah. I think that that's exactly what it is. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I like the idea that it is some sort of a house of worship. Um, 
or whatever you want to call it, some kind of sacred place. And uh, and uh, and I think it's kind of creative that they're like willing to do uh, kind of anything to uh, to keep themselves going, probably, sure. and to you know foster community in some way. Um, only I, serving I wine, like wine and crackers. I'm, I'm sure that's the only refreshments, right? <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> Probably there might not be anything. Like I really don't know. But um, great but acoustics. There will be that. You will have the best sounding voice in that place that you've ever heard yourself sound. I mean, it's one thing you can say about every church. You're like, is this yeah. me talking? I feel like I'm echoing right yeah, now. That's you know, true. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, high ceilings, which is weird because a lot of comedy clubs they do low ceilings. Right. But those high, those high steepled ceilings like that are really good for acoustics. I mean, yes. it's just yeah. it's the way it goes. So I can't wait to I can't wait now. Like yeah. uh, it's gonna be. It's, I'm I am looking forward to it. It's gonna be really fun. But um, it's uh, David Ledbetter, uh, also Eugene uh, comedian, is producing this show. Awesome. And um, and the idea is so if anybody who knows or doesn't know uh david ledbetter uh, he is a really great guy he's got a lot of integrity he is a um uh, an activist and um and a comedian and uh just i don't know a person that i hold with a lot of regard for integrity mm-hmm. and uh and so he's putting on this show with the hope that there will be proceeds to donate uh towards uh houselessness in our community uh and I don't know who all is uh, out in the world, uh, but in Eugene, like our uh, houseless situation is. Um, it's the situation in, yeah. in town. I would yeah. say it's very fair to say that the biggest situation yeah. we have is, yeah. yeah, that. Yeah, I would say that you're right. Uh, I mean, COVID is, uh, is, is all the bars, I guess, all the downtown bars closed last night because there's... Uh, I, I'm not really sure if it's just because of cases being on the rise or if there was a legit some sort of COVID scare or whatever. So COVID is a thing, but uh, but really none of that pales in comparison to our houseless situation. Right. And it also, both things contribute. Yes. Oh, yeah. So, they're, yeah. They're, one is going to make the other one worse uh, or vice versa. Uh, you know, yeah. So, all day, I'll, so. Uh, I'll do some comedy in support of... Uh, you know, even, you know, who knows uh, how this might help or whatever. But uh, if there's a possibility that it could, I'm for it. Let's see. Yeah, a few dollars in the pockets of somebody that's going to do something good is never a bad thing. And, yes. you know, if you're sitting here talking about David like that, I can only imagine, you know, that he's he's a he's a great guy. I I've, I've, yeah. think I've just met him in passing it, you know, a couple of mics or something like mm-hmm. that. But funny dude, too. Always yeah, got some funny. great some great very jokes. Funny. I mean, and literally dip your hand into the field of comedians at every open mic in Eugene and just grab one blindly and you can say that about him, which is... Oh, I totally agree. As, I totally agree. It's, I mean, I used so to... Cool. <laughs> you know, we used to run an open mic like seven, about seven years ago and it was... Okay, the venue wasn't great. We were at the old Taylor's when it was still open at, uh-huh. at a, on a Monday night. So we're not out there performing for the masses. We get that behind us right away, but a good night was 10 comedians. Like we thought we had a really good turnout if 10, maybe 15 showed up. And I, it's like, I was telling Angie last week, I get there at seven 30 to sign up at seven 30 and there's already 15 people on the list yeah. and there's 20 more waiting behind me. Yeah. So, um, it's, I, I'm bummed beyond bummed that we're having this type of influx of talent during these two years. Yeah. Because it's like I said, like we're, we're on, I'm on this kick where I've had a bunch of you in consecutively to talk about Eugene comedy specifically. 
And the last couple, it's been like, well, I don't really have that many shows to plug because everything's getting pulled, you know? And it's like, all I can say is you got to look for these people. If you're listening to this and you're wondering, go to their social media, go find Jen J on, you know, Facebook, Instagram, all that. Mm -hmm. And if you've got something going on, you're going to have it up there. And uh, we'll definitely link your, your, uh, profile in the uh, in the cool. description of the show so people can go find it because one thing I do know about Eugene comedians is they're a creative bunch of people and a lot of them are going to find a way to still be doing comedy mm-hmm. even if it's not on a live stage whether it be outdoor um, Chaz Logan Hyde for instance has got you know all those Instagram videos where he's just doing stand-up for a camera which I I absolutely mm-hmm. think is amazing and it, scares the holy shit out of me because who's there to tell me who's there to approve of me this is the only reason i do this is because i want everybody to like me and there's <laughs> yeah, nobody right? there to like me like i'm bad you know that's what, that's the first thought and i but i watched it and it's fucking funny and it's a funny dude that figured out a way to do comedy when there was no comedy and uh you guys will all have have stuff like that i mean the outdoor venues is cool because I know, you know, even Pride at the Park, that was all outdoor. Yeah. There's stuff like that that happens that, that mm-hmm. we'll, we'll be able we were to talking, go on. You um, know? So there, everybody, all the, the comedians that were at Pride, um, uh, well, just a few of us, um, Temple the Bard, uh, Eric Sparks, David Ledbetter, and myself were talking about uh, doing something uh, out, outside, uh, mm-hmm. like planning something outside for soonish because – um, like, you know, it's not, uh, I mean, we're down to the one open mic in town, uh, the, the outdoors, the one. outdoor one, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is actually, uh, the slice mic, uh, way to go on that one. Seth Milstein got to give you props for yep. getting that slice mic started. I'm telling you, it is pretty fun. It's a lot of fun. I mean, I, I, I've had one bad night, which has been more than publicized on this show and I don't care to talk about it again. Yeah. But I got it out of my <laughs> system. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, I think that was probably a bad night for more people than just me. I, I didn't stick around to see how it ended up. But uh, yeah. it was, uh, it, it is honestly one of the best, like when I first went down there, I had gone to the Lucky's open mic and then I saw that Seth was doing this. I was just trying to start getting back into it because I hadn't been on stage in five, six, seven years. Oh, wow. 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 And so I, I started to, and honestly, the reception that I got at the slice mic, because the first open mic that I went out to, was April 20th, 420. Uh-huh, yeah. And you want to talk about a sleepy crowd, go out at 9 o'clock and do stand-up on 420. Nobody oh was God. awake. <laughs> you know, and, and it, uh, you know, that wasn't, it didn't, that didn't build confidence in me. Let's just put it that way. It actually kind of was like, wow, maybe I should have just stayed off stage after. Went to Slice and got a really good reception for probably not very good jokes. And I was like, okay, <laughs> like, if, if nothing else, I can come down here and have a slice of pizza and try right? to do this yes. once a week, yeah. you know? Uh-huh. So... Uh, I, I really like that, Mike. And, of course, Seth. I mean, he's, you know, how could you not like Seth Milstein? I know. You know, know. Uh, it's just such a fucking great dude. And, he's a great dude. Uh, the way that he is uh, kind of trying to homogenize the comedy community in Eugene mm-hmm. and make sure that, like, you know, he and I have had little conversations where he's like, I don't want it to be clicky. Like, we can't do that. We don't have enough pie to split between different clicks. We all need yes. to eat the same yeah. pie, you yes. know? Which I, sounded agreed. weird when he said that, but I was like, I'll eat the same pie as you, Seth. <laughs> <laughs> Only if you're there. <laughs> but uh, oh, amazing. yeah, it, it's it's really encouraging. And like I said, we we've talked about it ad nauseum now for four weeks in a row. If you're sleeping on it, that's your fault at this point because Eugene comedy yeah. is a thing, and it's uh 
it's rapidly growing into something much bigger than I think Eugene comedy has seen in, in decades. So it's awesome. Um, I'm just happy to be a part of it. Well, and, uh, you're a, you're a kind of a flagship part of it. Like I said, <laughs> your face is on just about every poster that I see. So you're more than a part of it, sister. You're running the goddamn show, you know, which is awesome. Uh, and uh, so that is one more time. Alluvium is alluvium. Alluvium. Yeah, and that's down in the Whitaker district, it is. like yeah, third street, it's I think. In the yeah. Yep. Uh, I, can't think of the address off the top of my head, but um, it's on the video feed. If you're okay, watching this yeah. on YouTube, you've seen it 18 times perfect. by now. It's perfect, perfect. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that'll be Alluvium September 10th, um, and uh, yeah, I'm just looking forward to just it. Just looking it's forward be to so it. Fun, yeah. Well, it, it's a great time to segue into this now because you were actually supposed to come on the show a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a little bit of a scheduling conflict. And then the whole world just went upside down for you. So uh, tell yeah. us about tell us about your adventure. Oh I know gosh. your last few weeks have been kind of uh, crazy. Yeah, they've been super weird. <laughs> uh, so uh, I had uh, I had I had gotten the cool like ugh, I'm like how do I even start the story? Um, so uh, Jane Malone actually um, put me on. Uh, she does this bad girls show thing, and it's usually like her, Gabby, uh, Jesus, um, sometimes Sienna Jade. <coughs> Excuse me, and um, and so uh, she was doing it at, in Eureka. Can you pull as that a, mic just a little closer to you. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, there sure. you go. There you go. That should do it. Um, so we were. Um, so anyway, so she she was doing this show in uh, Eureka at Savage Henry. And she needed uh, some. She needed to add somebody to the bill, and I had messaged her about something else, like you know. And she was like, "Oh, actually, hey, uh, <laughs> I got this. I got this show coming up, this bad girls show, and I need one more person. Do you want to come with?" And I was like, "What?" <laughs> and uh, I was like, "Oh, that's so cool because it was two nights in Eureka, and uh, and I've heard so many great things from Seth and." Uh, Chaz and everybody about Savage Henry and uh, and and I'd already gotten uh, like Chris Durant already had added me to um, performers for um, for the festival mm-hmm. and so this was a chance to go and get lay of the land too you know like before right. uh, before October and so uh, I was so excited to be asked and uh, and me and my bestie uh, went went down uh, to Eureka and had a great time um, I killed you know yeah. and imagine uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, ha- had great shows both nights. It was so much fun. I got to sign the wall. There's nice. a sign the wall thing. Uh, this guy, Patrick uh, Rutherford, he takes pictures. He's just, I don't know, I think he's just a local guy who likes comedy. And uh, and he's a really great photographer. And uh, so actually the profile picture on Facebook right now is a picture that he took. He took these great photos and just gave them to me. And uh, I, I saw there was like, like almost 50 of them. I, I saw know. I was I was stalking I your page a little bit for, yeah, uh, you know, yeah. for pictures uh-huh. today. And yeah. I was like, God damn, did she set that? So you didn't set that guy up. No. He just did that. He just did that. That's amazing. And then just gave me the pictures. Uh, so, um, you know, uh, Patrick, if you're out there, like, thank you so much. Um, I, I really appreciated those pictures. They're so awesome. Um, but then on the way home, I started to feel a little congested. And I just thought because it was like hot as hell here. Mm-hmm. And then it's actually cold there. It was like 60 degrees. That's weird. Uh, I know. That's not and making sense at all. 
That no. whole state's on fire, too. It should be warm down there, too. No, right? it was cold. It was cold. And so, uh, I don't know. Sometimes, like, when I go cold and hot, cold and hot, like, my body is just like, what's happening? We're going to get congested, and you're going to get bronchitis. And, you know, that happens to me pretty much, like, once a year. Uh, and, uh, and so, I just thought that I was like, oh, fuck. Like, I'm getting bronchitis, you know. So, I was like, I need to see the doctor. I take the antibiotics and get this done and then I don't have to be sick anymore you know and so I called the doctor and they're like okay well if you really want to see the doctor you need a COVID test and I was like okay so I go I get the COVID test I'm waiting for the results quarantining in my house because I basically have all the symptoms of COVID even though I'm pretty sure that it's not I think it's bronchitis you know and um so then I get the I get the test back negative uh the same day that I get that my, uh, so I, for the last two years, I managed, uh, Spectrum, the gay bar in, in Eugene. And, uh, my, my first time doing a job that wasn't line cooking, you mm-hmm. know? And, um, but then, uh, when I started to feel ready, um, they weren't ready to give me a date yet. So I ended up being like, okay, well, I'm not going to come back. But you should hire my brother Christopher, <laughs> and uh, and they did, and uh, so so Christopher is getting Spectrum ready to reopen at the same time, and uh, and their literally their date was going to be uh, like August first was when they wanted to reopen, and the week before one of the employees got sick and said, uh, "Hey, I just took a test and I'm positive for COVID." Oh no! So they and they hadn't worked with that person for a few days or whatever, but still, You're still it was like everybody had to, they had to stop, can't reopen. They, everybody's got to quarantine until their test results come back. You oh know? my God. So then our whole like household, my brother and his husband are quarantined in their room. I'm quarantined in my room and we're just doing our best not to crop because we're, we have to separate, you know, we got to quarantine and be separate somehow. Right. So, um, so that was really fun. And then, uh, <laughs> they both got, they got their, they were all negative and then I, you know, and I'm negative and everything. Um, and then, but then my doctor is like, actually what you have is, um, uh, it's like reactive airway disease or something. It's basically fancy asthma, you know? Yeah. She's like, this is not bronchitis. This is fancy. You're basically having a two week long asthma attack. Oh, that sounds and, really uh, fun. Yeah. Uh huh. Right. Shortness and, of breath. Uh, and, and she's like, um, have you been smoking? And I'm like, God damn it. This bitch, you know, like <laughs> shit. And don't uh, you understand why you don't ask questions that you don't want to hear the answer to oh, doctor? Come on, mom. <laughs> don't, you know, don't make me tell you. Um, so, uh, I was like, I, I have, but you know, since I haven't smoked since I, since I got sick, you know, it's been uh, eight days or whatever. Eight and days, she, four hours, three like, minutes, and twenty-eight seconds. Eight days. <laughs> and uh, and she's like, you know, if you can just not, I'm like, I was gonna ask you for like Chantix or something to help me quit, and she was like, well, actually, like if you can just wait four more days. You know, then all of your nicotine receptors basically shut off after 12 days without smoking. And then you're out of the physical addiction part of it. It's just the habit that you have to break. Right. And I was like, okay, I can do four more days because I still feel like shit, you know. And uh, and I did. And uh, and I'm up to 21 days now. Nice job. Congratulations. And I'm never going back. Um, uh, well, I mean, I can't because I'll die, yeah, you know. Um, right. But uh, I got myself... Some um, cinnamon toothpicks. Okay, that yeah. helps. Uh huh. Yes. Something to have in your mouth, just yeah, kind of uh-huh. chew on. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. I totally yeah. get it because it's not the it's and it's weird because I when I 
smoke cigarettes, it's normally in Las Vegas. I have this thing where it's like, I'm in Vegas. They're letting me smoke in here. Oh, yeah. I'm going to do it while I'm here, Absolutely. when in Rome type thing. Uh-huh. And what I do realize is really the the part about it that is the worst for me is that I just, the idea, like I, I'm a cannabis user. I'm smoking, mm-hmm. I, and if I get into a thing where I'm smoking a lot of weed, which I try not to do, but it's it's more about just the physical act of having something to draw on and something yes. to, something in your lips and something in your hand. Yeah. And, you know, I, the physical addiction be damned. I'm sure it's there, but it's not the thing that I notice the most as just the just the habit, like yes. the doctor said. Yeah, the so habit. Yeah. it's really weird uh-huh. that that's how that is because, you know, it's, I mean, it's, isn't it the most addictive drug out there? Isn't nicotine like at the top of that list? And all of a sudden, aside from sugar, probably. Yeah, like, probably. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the thing that I can't get over is the fact that I like something in my hand. You know, right. it's, it yeah. just seems so backwards, but it's true. It does. You know, yeah. but yeah. congratulations. It's not an easy thing to quit. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. I, uh, I think I'm going to make it. Like, I think I'm going to be okay. Good. Good for and you. I've never said that. Yeah. At, at other times that I've quit, you know, I've never <laughs> once ever said there felt like felt like that. But I really feel like I'm done with it. You good. know, so that's good. Well, yeah. it's uh, you know, it, it's it's tough being in the stand up community, too, because there's a lot of a lot of smokers in the stand up yeah. community. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of times it's funny with certain certain open mics or certain shows it's like one guy will do his set and you can tell that kind of a lot of people were there waiting. And then all of a sudden the room clears out, but only for like seven or eight minutes. And then everybody comes back in all at the same time. You're like, Oh, 48% of this audience smokes cigarettes and you just went and had one together. I get that. You know, if maybe we could, we could have a schedule and you guys can go out one at a time. It'd be great for the performers. But eh, Who am I to say? Um, Well, yeah, it's funny because I got to tip my cap to your brother in this situation a little bit because the day that you were supposed to come in here, uh-huh. he told you, like, what are you doing? You can't go in there. You're yeah, sick. That's right. and, yes. and you didn't, yeah. you came and told me, and like, first of all, you were so apologetic and everything, and it's something that's totally out of your control. So I didn't hold any grudges or hard feelings about it. But I mean, the that's thing right. of- I forgot that that happened. Yeah. Like, it, and that was so weird because, like, I, uh, I was, I was, that's very telling as to like how shitty I felt. You know, like I was feeling so bad right. that like um, somebody hit me up to do a thing and I was like, yeah, I can totally do that. And then I was like, oh, yeah, hey, I'm going to do this thing. And he was like, what do you mean you're doing a thing? Like you're fucking sick as shit. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I probably, I probably shouldn't do a thing. You know, yeah. like it's my brain. The brain know? fog is fucking real yeah. when you get sick like that. I mean, it's. And I don't, I don't understand why. It's like, I look, my my lungs aren't working right, and my nose isn't working right, but my brain is relatively secluded up here. Why can't I just think? You know, it's like I'm not taking cold I'm glad medicine. That you brought that up because I forgot that aspect to the, you know, like I totally forgot about it. Yeah, like, this yeah. podcast should already be two weeks old, to be honest yeah. with you. But it's, you know, but I'm just glad we were able to actually get it done. And more than anything, I'm yeah, glad to hear too. that you're you're safe. You didn't end up with COVID and. Neither did your brother yes. and, and his partner yeah, because, uh-huh. I mean, it's re- it's all of a sudden it's real again. It was like it was real for a whole year and change, and then it wasn't real anymore. And now yeah. it's real again all of a sudden, yeah, and I really and don't know how to handle it. It is. It, it, I feel like nobody really does. And, um, but he, you know, one of the things that's not working for me is when people say, um, well, if you're vaccinated and you get it, you're, the, vac- the vaccine's going to protect you from getting too sick. Okay, that might be true, but like 
I don't want to fuck around with the, you know, like I don't want to, you know, I don't rolling those dice. Yeah. Yeah, Who's rolling those dice? That seems very subjective and not an, not a real answer to any kind of problem. Yeah. And I think (laughs) as, as an individual, your responsibility, like if you went and you got vaccinated, awesome. But even if you do get it, like the problem here is, is a lot of these vaccinated breakthrough cases aren't showing symptoms very well. And that doesn't mean just because you're vaccinated, you can't give it off to the next person that, that's and propagate too, it, you know? You know? So it's and, like... And nobody's talking about the people who already have compromised immune systems, you know? Which they were the ones that were at the highest risk or highest risk all along since yeah. the very beginning of this thing. Those are the people we needed to be worried about the most, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's... The other thing too is it's like, we got to go back to some semblance of normal life right around when the summer and, and like the weather was getting nice and everybody was going to get outside. And, and I think right now what's happening is you're still at this tail end, like flying high bit of summer where everybody's out on their last camping trips and their yeah. last vacations. And what is happening is you're telling them they can't do it anymore. So people are getting very upset. They don't mm-hmm. want to listen to it. They don't want to, they, they think in their mind because all they know is that, oh, it's another year and change of this bullshit. And it's like, you know, really, if we're smart about it with what we know at this point, it shouldn't necessarily take that long if everybody just kind yeah. of plays a part, you know, and, mm-hmm. and is, is individually responsible. That's, a, that's my, been my thing the whole time with COVID is like, can you just be responsible for yourself and not just yourself in the, the, the body that you inhabit, but yourself in the effect you might have on everybody else. Right. You know, and yeah. for me, I, I've always said like one of my things that I tell my wife all the time is I, when I'm out in public, the last thing I ever want to do is make a dent in someone else's day. Like I don't want to, I, I don't want to drive like an asshole. I don't want to cross the street when right. I'm not supposed to. I don't want my damn dogs to bark. I just don't want to fuck up somebody else's day. Yeah. If somebody fucks up mine, it actually probably wasn't wouldn't bother me as bad as if I did it to somebody else. And so I kind of feel like my whole mindset with COVID has been like right along those lines. It's like, look, if I just take care of my shit, I won't mess with anybody else's shit. And that way I don't have to go home at night and be worried about it, you know, because yeah. that's it, it is a very selfish thing when it all comes down to it. Cause I'm just not going to sleep and I'm going to have anxiety. I'm going to pour over it like any probably stand-up comedian that constantly <laughs> right? seeks approval, you know? Um, so, but I, you know, it, it's uh, it's amazing to me. It, you know, it's such a tough time in our country right now. Yeah. It's uh, There's so much division and so much, uh, you know, fight. Actually, I just watched a movie last night with uh, Russell Crowe called Unhinged. Have you seen that? Uh-uh. It's just about road rage. And it, basically, this guy who was already having a real bad time goes on like kind of a tantrum through road rage and it's uh, without giving too much away. One of the things that they really drive home is they're playing in the opening credits, a bunch of news clips about how everyone is on edge and how like road rage is upticking after the pandemic and violence and all these other things. And it's like, that was just a movie, but it was clearly a movie that they made in 2020. And now fast forward to, you know, late 2021 and it's worse. It's not getting any better. And now we're talking about, one of the things that made it where it is today, which is locking everybody down. And, and yeah. so it's like, it's, it's uneasy right now. Like I can, mm-hmm. I can, you can cut the tension with a fucking butter knife out there. And yeah. um, that's another reason I don't want to mess with anybody's day. I don't want to get punched. Like if I accidentally step on somebody's toe, who knows what's going to happen it, these it days. It has been very, very tough. Like even like, I, I feel like when things reopened and especially in Eugene, when we got uh reopen mics back you know it was glorious and uh and 
you're able to go and see your friends and have fun and and all of that was so great and then um yeah the the tension uh has started to rise and um just being in downtown is uh you can just feel it sketchy you know? yeah and uh one of the nights you know there was the shooter uh yep. You know, I had just said goodbye to everybody at the Drake, and I was walking. Uh, I was parked near Starlight, so I was walking over there, and I actually walked into Starlight to pass through because I prefer that versus the creepy alley. Yeah, you know? right. And Good uh, call. As <laughs> soon as I walked in, I think, is when that shooting happened. Wow. And, like, I didn't even know that it had happened. Like, I found out about it the next day. And it was right and was next like, to you, right? It was right yeah, there on that block. Yeah, I was block. like, what? Like, that happened, that happened like, basically right after I shut the door. It must have. Like, yeah. Yeah, so that's it's pretty wild. Like, stuff like that uh, happening uh, has just been more more often in like, ah. Yeah, I, I, people are just on edge, and that's just it. You never know, like, even in a city the size of Eugene, and this is only more so true the bigger the city that you get in, but you really don't know who you're talking to. And it's, it's we've always said that about the internet, but, like, we've all lived on the internet for the last year, so yeah. that's life now. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I mean, this, that, like I said, that movie, like, it all comes from a guy that doesn't start driving at a green light. And so she honks her horn, but she doesn't give him the courtesy tap. She, and all of a sudden, Russell Crowe's killing people. And it's like, the the way that it kind of sums it all up is like almost eerily. We're all one, one, like, you know, honk away. Exactly. From like, just loosen it. Yeah. Yeah. One Uh dumpy Volvo honks its horn at a dude. And all of a sudden there's hammers and butter knives and people's backs. That happens in the movie. It's, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's something else, but I, I, you know, watch it. I, I would say to everybody listening, because it might kind of, even though it's not that great of a movie, to be honest, I'm not thinking it needs any awards. Russell Crowe's definitely done better. Um, it still kind of puts it out there in front of you to see like how easy it is for somebody to just fucking lose it. And yeah. especially in the, in the society that we've all lived in over mm-hmm. the last year and everybody's got an opinion about everything and almost nobody agrees. And so there's a lot of that, you know, social media type fighting and stuff like that. It's just yeah. a really weird time. And it's, it is, it's been hard to look at it from the inside and say like, we're going through a giant transition socially right now, and we don't really know where it's going to end up. And the only thing we can do is look at other times in history when this has happened in other places and even in the United States and like hope to God that it comes out on the good side and not the bad side. Like, you know, sometimes you sit back and you look at everything on fire and riots and people killing each other. It's like, are we like right on the brink of collapse, but we've done so well with capitalism that like people don't see it. It's like, well, we still got all this money. I mean, Bezos has got 240 billion. So something's going right. Cause it, I don't know. I mean, it definitely seems to me like in stage capitalism. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Shit's on fire. Yeah. Everything's on fire and the rich people are doing stupid shit with flying dicks to the moon. Right. Dicks to the moon. Yeah. Yes. I think that you're right. This is in stage capitalism. I mean, you know, uh, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what, what happens next, you know? Uh, I was watching a YouTube video today, Jen, before you got here, and they were trying to quantify Bezos's wealth in, in comparative terms that, you know, you and I, the layman, can understand. <laughs> so the one that stuck with me, and it really stuck with me, I've been thinking about it all day. If you were somehow immortal, 
and you were born on the same day at the same minute that they started the calendar at zero. So right when Christ died, basically, moving forward. If you made $8,000 an hour for every hour between that day and 2020, when that video was made, you would still not even have half of what Jeff Bezos Gross. has. Isn't Gross. that Isn't that fucking amazing? That is so disgusting. $8,000 an hour for every hour for 2,020 years, and you still don't have the kind of money that this guy does. And then they started doing it like they were, they were saying like uh, by the minute and by the second. So like by the first minute of the day in a regular year, Jeff Bezos has made more in the first minute than the average uh, female college educated. And in like the first minute and like 15 seconds, he's passed the first, the average male college educated. And then after like four minutes, he's passed like Beyonce and like all these people and what they'll earn in a year. And it's like, man, you could fly a dick to the moon. That's cool and all. But now that you've done that, can you maybe spread just a little bit around? Like you could, you could, you could solve fix, world hunger. You really could. You, you know? could fix that. Like homelessness in Eugene is not something to be worried you about. Could solve that <laughs> without <laughs> snap like, of you a know, finger. Yeah, without you, without. Yeah, oh my god, it's a fucking tax write off, right? <laughs> At this point, it's like he's got all he's got all those to begin with. Can't you just? I don't know, man. And it, you know, my wife brought it up. She's like. Hey, it's interesting that Gates's wife and uh, Bezos's wife both left him in the same year. It's like, well, <laughs> hopefully they took enough of that chunk that they can go do something good. It right? seems like that's kind of what Bezos's ex wants to do. So, you know, good on them. But Jesus, it's, it, it's. I mean, yeah, it, it really is. If it's not in stage capitalism, we're past in stage and we're into like the downloadable content section. Right? Oh my God. <laughs> Let's roll the credits already. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do the next thing. I don't know what it is, but socialism, I don't know. You know, barter, um, there was yeah, this, this one time was, was, we were at a Blink-182 concert, and uh, my buddy didn't want to get his shirt signed by Mark Hoppus, and so he pulled off his shoe, and he had him sign his shoe. And later on, we had Cottonmouth, and I'm not going to tell you why, because we were only like 16 at the time, <laughs> but we really wanted uh, some gum. Uh -huh. And these girls were sitting behind us, and they had a pack of gum. And so we traded his Mark Hoppus shoe for the gum. And he just walked around with one shoe on. And I was like, that really worked well. Like, he had something he didn't really care about, something we really needed at the time. And we just made a switch. Yeah. They've got some dude's shoe with Mark Hoppus's autograph on yeah. it, and they're happy. Uh-huh. And we don't have cotton That's mouth amazing. anymore. That's great. <laughs> It doesn't seem that hard to, to wrap your head around, right. you know? But yeah, it's a pretty easy concept. Yeah. yeah I uh, like it. But meanwhile, I mean, I if don't know. If you think about all the, all the systems are fucked. It, it really is kind of like that. The system is terrible. That one's been bad for a really it long has. time. It yeah, has. And it was yeah. like we tried to make it better, and then we just kind of fucked it worse, you know? It's, it's like it's so bad. And, so uh, bad. yeah, I mean, I, f I feel like, uh, you know, there's a lot of people. It's it's amazing to me because I've, I've worked, I've had a mini career in the cannabis industry. I was in it for over five years and there's still people across the United States serving like life terms for selling weed too many yeah. times, you know, and it's like, can we maybe talk about prison reform a little bit right. and, you know, getting yeah. some of these uh -huh. people that didn't do anything that really matters. It's like you can have user amounts of fucking heroin and meth in this state. And there's, if you're going to do that, okay, it doesn't, it's fine. If that's what you think is better for the future of the prison population. But right. I will say, like, can we maybe rethink some of the people that are losing their lives because of it? If it's legal for everybody to do now, because I remember the first year legal of legalized cannabis, it was like, you can have 
one gram and you yes. can, you know, and now it's like <laughs> you couldn't get a Eugene police officer to even do a double take if you were smoking the newspaper blunt from Woodstock 99. <laughs> like, it's, <laughs> they don't care. I would really care. like to smoke that. that they don't. Have you seen that documentary? <laughs> no, it's I haven't. Not the new documentary oh, that came yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's the old one that the was like one. right after. And yeah. it was like during Green Day, it was a dude that had it all rolled and they were lighting it with like a blowtorch. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think you could smoke that. At Pride in the Park yesterday, you could have lit that up in the middle of the event, and yeah. people would have been like, yeah, woo! <laughs> totally. <laughs> Ten years ago, you would have gotten tackled and beaten in the streets. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's, I know, yeah. It's a yeah. fucking plant, man. I mean, it, it, it always amazed me because it's the best money I've ever made working in the cannabis industry. It was very... Um, uh, uh, I don't, I don't even know what the word I'm looking for is uh, lucrative. lucrative. Yeah. Fruitful, lucrative. It paid yeah. well. And it, it paid, especially if you wanted to work hard. Um, and I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm putting more money in the savings account than ever. I'm buying things for me and the wife, you know, we're taking vacations. It's like, there's people in jail, like at prison, hard time in prison, max, you know, max security prisons, probably getting raped in the showers every day yeah, or getting no, hit with a lunch tray, lunch tray like horrible. in Oz. And here I am doing better than ever, <laughs> selling, yeah. it, selling it to the to the demanding public. It's, I don't know, it's hard to quantify so sometimes. Bizarre, I, yeah. I, I like to look at things from a thousand feet up, but I realize that the higher up I go, I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> so I just come here and I sit in my man room and I talk to people that do dope shit. Yeah. Like you. So. <laughs> yes. I know. Like when it comes down to it, that's what we really have. You know, that's what we really have. And that's, you know, we, when we, we have to keep all of those things, you know, um, and keep doing things like this and stuff like that so that we have, uh, so that we can make all of those things more, you know, right. and, and, uh, and have more good stuff to well, look forward to. <laughs> I just love your positive attitude and your positive energy. And I think the more people that we have that can be like that, be positive and smiling. And even when we're talking about shit that isn't like, you know, the, the most fun shit to talk about, you can still approach it lightheartedly, laugh, you know, enjoy conversation and maybe learn something. God knows if we just probably turned our ears up a little bit and our mouth down, me especially, Probably learn a lot about it, you know, because a lot of these when we talk about systems and how they're problematic, uh, a lot of their problems are because they've uh, they've fine tuned the system portion and taken the human portion out of it. Right. Right. And uh, and so, yeah, we got to we got to talk about things and uh, and be human about it and have the human aspect be you know, thought about and respected and not, yep. not can't just forget about that part of it just in order to make a system work better. Exactly. I saw um, something, I saw it was a, it was like an internet meme or kind of a joke the other day, but it said, um, when our parents hit like 70 and 80 years old, we frantically start worrying about their mental decline. Their privileges start to get taken away. They might even have to live in assisted living or mm-hmm. something like that. That's all true, and we all know that to be true. So why in the hell are those people almost exclusively running our country? Right. Like, why is it that the people is, if that was your dad, if Nancy Pelosi was your dad, you would be worried about dad's health, or or Joe Biden was your mom. You'd be worried about his mental state. And it's not to say anything about whether or not you like their politics or whether or not you are in their party or you agree or disagree. All that shit be damned. I think the people that came up in the 50s probably aren't quite as well in touch with what's going on in 2020 at this point, you know? Agreed. And, I mean, 
I'm not a big burn it all down guy, but I'm a big clean it all out guy. Right, you know, yeah. I really think that there could be. And the problem is, is we've let these people be in for so long that they're so deeply entrenched that nobody will say anything against them because yeah. they're worried about their political career. We're watching a documentary last night on like UFOs or something. And back when the Phoenix lights happened in 97, mm -hmm. uh, the, the mayor of Phoenix is at, one of the first things he says in the documentary is like, well, yeah, it was crazy. I mean, thousands of people saw it, but it was a very sensitive time for me politically, and I didn't want to throw kerosene on the fire. And it's like, did you just admit in a Showtime documentary, you asshole, that you made a personal decision over everybody in the city of fucking Phoenix? Wow, that's pretty gross. But that happens. It happens every goddamn day, and it happens because certain people have their thumb on other people, and... That's just, that's the way our yeah. government works. It's mm -hmm. like, oh, well, nothing gets to happen because that person doesn't want to lose votes or this person doesn't want to lose campaign cash, you know? And yeah, it reminds me of, like, Vikings, you know, because Vikings were all about their aspirations for, like, you know, uh, being famous and, you know, being known as such great warriors. And, like, so, like, a lot of their efforts are ego-driven and, uh, and, uh, and welcomed in that way because it's part of the culture and it's part of what... And, uh, yeah, so it's funny how it reminds me of Vikings because it's all about, uh, you know, it's all about the, the personal gain and the, you know, what whatever you have to, whatever your aspirations are, like, that takes precedence over the greater good. And, yeah. like, fuck that. Like, uh, I'm, all, I'm all for greater good over personal. Uh, personal gain, know, yeah. Yeah, personal gains. Yeah. And it's personal gains. It's funny to me, too, that's, like, the the <laughs> – it's almost an oxymoron when you hear multimillionaire politician. How? How is that the case? The president doesn't even make a million dollars a year. What what pockets are you digging around in? Because... Yeah, politicians should be the poor people. <laughs> yeah, right. And you should be <laughs> fighting for people like yourself, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, but, hey, it's, it's like I said, it's so entrenched now. But uh, the nice thing is I feel like this is the age where the information is kind of running rampant. Everybody knows now. It's not mm -hmm. a well-kept secret anymore. And yeah. that's got to spur change somewhere down the line. Right, you know? right. You're, so, I'm waiting for it. I mean, fingers crossed. Like yeah. I said, I, I'm, I'm waiting for it. Uh, I'm ready to be a soldier. for. I'm not afraid of change. Uh, and I, I don't understand being afraid of change. Like, uh, I think that when you've identified that there's problems – Let's go into the solution-oriented route. Right. You know, like I'm ready. I'm ready to start talking about the solutions. You know, mm -hmm. and um, and so many people have vested interest for their own personal gains that they, uh, you know, are able to keep putting the kibosh on uh, on on change and reform. Yeah. And it's uh, it's like okay, when how much longer are we gonna allow people to to do that? Like. Uh, we de we were pretty desperate for uh, to change the way that uh, things are going. So yep, um, I used to oh, cover a moment of time. You know, about a decade ago, I covered um, Eugene City Council meetings a bunch when I was doing some uh, some news talk radio, and I was just producing news. I wasn't actually one of the personalities on that station, so I kind of got to go to these places and and get uh, like get a nice chunk of what was going on and give the facts of what happened right in front of me and and not have to report that with any type of um, bias one way or the other. I just got to say, this is what happened at the meeting and this is how they voted and mm -hmm. personalities do what you want with that. 
And I remember sitting there, and this is back when when Kitty Piercy was the mayor of Eugene. I was going to ask, like, oh, was this when we had uh, a mayor who uh, when we had Kitty Piercy? Yes, or, yes, uh, yeah. <laughs> it was her, and and she used to. There was eight sitting members on the council, and then her. So there was mm-hmm. nine people, and I watched her. And and I look, I, I say her, it's not all her fault. It's every yeah. single person on that council is equally to blame because mm-hmm. there were four of them that sat on the left side of the table, no joke, and four of them that sat on the right side of the table, and it was fucking four to four every single time. And I watched her play tiebreaker for every one. And it's like, you know, if we're gonna do this the right way, maybe you should vote first once in a while. Don't always be the tiebreaker. Maybe put yourself in with the let somebody else dis- because I what I was watching her do is it didn't matter where the counselors voted she was going to decide every single one of them because they were always deadlocked and so wow are the constituents really being rep- represented at that right. point yeah it's uh-huh. one person it was it was uh-huh. I watched Eugene boil down to one person making these decisions and not all of them were detrimental or crazy mm-hmm. but their funding decisions. There was a lot of, of well, houselessness yeah, and, and homelessness stuff reason, going on. Right, yeah, and there's a reason why we have, you know, constituents. Exactly. Like, there's a reason why there's nine why they're there. there. Yeah, yeah, there's a reason uh-huh. why they're there is because you and I marked next to their name yeah. in the little book, you know, and, and it, it just, that was really when I started to, like, when I got to see inside of a city government and watch it work. It's like, well, if this is happening here, this is happening everywhere, and this is no good, you know? And no I, I kind of started that whole, like, you know, I, I was raised in a very conservative community, and I never felt like I was 100% at home there. I get some yeah. of the values. I think the rural communities are vastly underrepresented mm-hmm. by, in a state especially like Oregon. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I have some conservative things. Like, I don't think we need to keep shoving money up the government's ass because they're really inefficient with it. They take it, and it goes away, and politicians get rich, and nothing gets changed. I agree with that. I really that don't is, like that. No, so I'm, I, dumb. I'm dumb with politicians being rich, yeah. period. Um, but I also, you know, social issues, like I don't have any trouble with gay marriage. I'm pro-choice. Like I, I, you know, transgender rights, like I want everybody to just be happy. I don't care what you do with your genitals. And I really would rather that you don't let me know about it if you don't <laughs> need to. If you really want to tell me, I'm fine. You can do that. But, you know, I'm I'm not going to tell you what the wife and I got into on date night. You know? <laughs> That's kind of where I come from. But, uh, you know, I, I also thought like, Man, I don't like either. I, I got to that point where I was working in, in news radio. And I was like, I don't like either one of these sides of things. Mm. Like, these are not, I don't feel at home anywhere. And I hate the I hate the term politically homeless, too, because it's like, no, I have a very good idea of the things that I think would be right. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that either one of you represents me being, you know, I, neither one of you really deserve my, uh, my signature on your side, you know? And yeah. That's a tough place because I think there's a lot of people like that right now. I oh, think yeah. there's a lot of people that feel very uh, disenfranchised and jaded by their own people, if you want to put it that way. Definitely, yeah. But, you know, I I always hoped that I wouldn't let this show devolve into talking politics. I know it fucking bores people. But it's nice <laughs> to have – it's nice to be able to talk about it and just have a conversation where there's not, like, angst – you know, yeah. and there's not, I'm not, mm-hmm. the things I'm saying, at least, I'm not afraid of the way you're going to react to them. Like, I'm just saying them yeah. because, and if you disagree, great. Maybe we'll both learn something, you know? Right, yeah. Um, uh, and I, I think that that's good. I think that's a good way to um, to be about it because uh, because the, the the situation that we're in and in, in our country, in the world, is uh, 
it's just it's it's really it's pretty fucked. Yeah, it smells yeah, like shit. It's pretty fucked. Yeah. yeah, and and I mean, what a great note to end the podcast on. <laughs> <laughs> I've had you here for over an hour now. I normally oh, only ask for an hour. Um, yeah. Once again, I want to plug the shows. September 10th at? Yeah, Alluvium. Okay, and the uh, showtime for that? Oh, shit. I think it's I think it's 730. Oh, my God. Go I check, don't know. Go check Jen's Facebook page. Yes. It'll be linked in the description of yes. the podcast. Um, and then the Savage Henry Comedy Festival, October 7th through the 9th. Yep. I imagine there's going to be hundreds of comedians at that. Yes, yeah, there's so many good ones too. Sam Talent is going to be there. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of Eugene comedians right. going. Um, Seth Seth is going. Angie Bloomfield, Luke Miller, Tyler Jones. Wow. Um, yeah, bunch I, of them. Uh huh. That's yeah. awesome. Um, and there there might even, there might even be more than that. I'm, I don't know for sure who all's going, but um. But yeah, um, it's gonna be. There's gonna be so many. There's. I think that there's some comedians from uh, across the pond. Even wow, like uh, it's it's kind of a big deal. It's gonna be so fun. <laughs> That's it's awesome. Be so fun. If you find yourself in Humboldt County, uh, you should definitely check it out. All right. Well, there you have it, Jen J. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so glad that you're healthy. That COVID yeah. was only just a scare and not an actual <laughs> experience. And uh, we will definitely do this again. Keep awesome. doing what you're doing thank on a comedy much. stage. You're welcome. I, 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 you don't know. You don't have to thank me. I, I should be <laughs> the one thanking you. It was a lot of fun, and I really look forward to seeing where comedy goes for cool. you. Cool, awesome. Thank uh, you so much. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. It's the Man Room Podcast. Thanks for listening. And, and the transmission. <laughs>